Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Anytime we give anything to God, Does he ever abuse it? Remember the little boy with the fish and the bread? Gave it to God. He gave all of it to God. Did God use it? Woo! Powerfully. Fed everybody. Twelve baskets over. So if I give to God, he's able to use me however to minister all kinds of people just like you. And it's not unreasonable. Doing business with anyone from the most humble merchant to the biggest multinational corporation first requires trust. You have to believe that they are who they say they are and that they're going to provide the goods and services they've told you they can provide. Pastor Mark will be teaching today that it's the same way in dealing with God. He's told you who he is, who you are, and how to get out of the problem of eternal doom. It's up to you to believe that what he said is true and then act on that belief. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Romans chapter 12 as he continues this series called Motivational Gifts. Now, here's the last one, and you don't need to turn there. You can turn actually back to Romans chapter 12. You know this one. Here's the bottom line of what Paul says. For the wages of sin is death. In other words, if Jesus didn't come along, I didn't search for him. He sought me. He gave me the truth. I didn't know there was truth. I thought I was fine by myself. I was dead in my sins, as Ephesians says. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So I'm saved not because I'm a good person. I'm saved because Jesus went to the cross, died for me. We take it for granted. We think about it. But now... As you read those verses, does anyone here have an attitude of gratitude? Anybody? Well, sure. Why? Because of his wonderful mercy to us. Which one of you deserved it? Let me see your hand. I will condemn you right now because, no, none of us. So, you see, Paul says, therefore, and obviously that was just a quick glancing blow through the few verses of Romans. So God's mercy to me has been incredible. How many times have we failed him? He's never failed us. So Paul says, go back to Romans 12, 1, in response to his mercy, what do I do? Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, or in response, you might want to write that, it might help to remind you, in response to God's mercy, I urge you then to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy, pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So Paul says, since you're thankful, now you have this attitude that's correct. 
I want your lifestyle to be sacrificial. I want it to be a holy life that pleases God. And again, notice in this verse, the initiator is God. The responder is you and I. Now, how do I offer my body as a living sacrifice? How do I make this lifelong commitment? How do I do that? Well, in the Old Testament, think about sacrifice. In the Old Testament, when a sacrifice was given, what took place? Let's say you lived back in the time of the book of Leviticus, and you were a Jewish person, and what did you do for lots of different things for sacrifices? You'd find an animal, you'd buy it, or it was your own, you'd bring it, you'd give it to the priest, he would go through the ritual, slit the neck, whatever, that blood would go out, the animal then would be put on the altar, and typically most of the time burned, cooked, sometimes totally, sometimes given back to the priest to use some and whatever. The sacrifice was always dead. Am I correct? I mean, when the sacrifice was given and it was all over, what happened to the sacrifice? Nothing could happen to the sacrifice because it's dead. It's finished. It did its job. So when we look at living sacrifice, it sounds strange. Certainly it sounds strange to the Jewish people. What do you mean a living? It's like an oxymoron. But living sacrifice is simply this. Write this down. Living sacrifice, a sacrifice that lives and moves and does things. So Paul says, God isn't interested in a dead sacrifice. He's interested in a living sacrifice. Now, Remember, they're called what kind of gifts? Tell me, in 6 through 8, they're called what kind of gifts? Motivational gifts. Well, what is the motivation for operating those gifts? Gratitude. Because of his mercy. You see, many of us think, well, the motivation for operating, I mean, doing those gifts? Well, I got to. Because I'm going to be judged by it. Well, that'll work for a little while, but that really won't work very long. We want to do them because we're motivated to do them because of God's goodness to us. But it starts with my whole body. Now notice he says our whole body is a living sacrifice. So I'm to offer or present or yield. I mean, God could force me to give it, but he won't. So I'm going to offer myself. And what does that really mean? Offer myself. And how does that really work? Well, the next thing you want to write is we actually die to self my wishes, and I live for him. That's what a living sacrifice is. I die to what I want to do, and I live for what God wants me to do. Now notice, I wrote this because I think it's very important we understand this. I'm aiming for 100% commitment. Is there anybody here that's 100% committed to Christ? Not really. We aim toward that. I always get in the way. My will gets in the way. My wishes get in the way. Some of you have been around church. You remember way back in the 70s. I remember this was a big deal then. You got on the altar. You laid yourself on the altar. And the problem is the next morning I got off the altar. I'm living all right. I'm living my way. So, by the way, this verse, 12.1, how often do we have to kind of practice this verse every day? In fact, quite often, numbers of times during the day, right? So, 
It simply means that we die to ourselves, our wishes, let God come in, promote those kind of things in my life, live for him. Now, Paul says not only a living sacrifice, but a holy sacrifice. Well, a holy sacrifice, what does that mean? Well, that's a person that kind of renounces sin. It isn't somebody like you have this picture of, you know, certain kind of hair and long sleeves and whatever. And it's not that. It's the inward part again. So this holy is a person who renounces sin and set apart for God. When that sacrifice came, remember, it had to be without blemish and all those kind of things. That's what we're supposed to be. When we present ourselves to God, God wants somebody who's asked forgiveness for their sins so I can be useful to him and we're a pleasing sacrifice to him. So here's another sentence I want you to write. And there's not too much more to write other than some other keys as we go through. So what is Paul really saying in the first part of this? He says we're to live a life that's surrendered to the will of God. In other words, and you'll see later, how do I determine the will of God? Well, it's, it's uh, spelled out for us. So I'm to live this life that's surrendered to the will of God by renouncing myself. Okay, God, I want your will. I know what I want to do in this situation. I know how I want to treat that person who just did that to me at work. I know what I want to do in this marriage. But what do you want to do in this marriage, God? And also sin. And it will then... Please, God. That's a life that's pleasing to God. I set myself apart. That's what God wants. Now, as you look at that, let me just read you a verse. You can write by this note, if you're taking notes, write by this a verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 9. It says this. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home, in the body, or away from it. We make it our goal to please him. That's our goal for you and I. Now, What does that mean? A living sacrifice. We have to be very careful. You see, I can be a sacrifice for the wrong reason. I can just say to God, okay, I'll do it, God. And we've used this illustration before, but I think it's very good. If you're going to be part of this church and you're going to see later, one of the gifts is the gift of teaching. Well, the gift of teaching is crucial starts in the kids ministry if you have the gift of teaching then you'll love to teach and where i learned to teach was in the sunday school see if you can keep kids attention i can keep your attention pretty good now i did different things then but you see you learned how to do that so if You say, well, I'm going to have the gift of teaching. Okay, and they're called, what kind of gifts now? Motivational gifts. Motivation by? Guilt? Fear? Gratitude. So if I go in there and say, okay, uh, I guess they're calling for more teachers again. I'll sign up. I got the gift of teaching. I wish I would never come to this stupid thing. (laughs) Now I know I got the gift of teaching. I guess I'm going to have to do something. So go in there first day of the kids. Seven-year-olds. Hi, how are you? Now just sit down, I'm going to get through this thing, and I know you're going to enjoy it. Here we go. Well, next week you might have to worry because probably nobody will be back. That kid's going to go home and say, I don't know who that is, but I ain't going back to that class. Know what I mean? That's what happens. So a living sacrifice isn't just like, well, he's breathing, put him in the room. (laughs) That's not what we're after. It's got to be somebody that has a, a heart. For the kids. 
or for your gifting. It's got to come from the inside, and you're going to see what Paul talks about as he moves through that. So, God is not interested in a church filled with, maybe this won't make sense to you, but pew potatoes. You sit here, like, hey. We used to use this a long time ago, sit and soak and sour for an hour. Just kind of went through it, go through the motions, click our thing, and we're gone. That's a living sacrifice, but it's really not living with the right motivation or the right reason. So God's looking for Christians that are filled with a zeal and joy and the spirit to change the world. This little gal fell, and they had to carry her off with a stretcher because she broke a vertebrae and all kinds of stuff. They're carrying her off with a stretcher, and they start playing the, I guess, the high school's band song or whatever. And here she is on a stretcher. I love it. I mean, she's cheering as they're carrying her off. The only thing she can move is her arms because everything else is tied down. So she's doing this, doing the cheer, and just full of smiles. That's it. You see, some of us say, well, I'm handicapped here and that and the other. I, I can't do anything for the Lord. Oh, yes, we can. And it's in the power of the Spirit. So we have to understand that God isn't interested in people that say, I'm committed, but they're pew potatoes. They're not involved in anything. And I have to be careful because if I'm not careful, I'll motivate you by guilt. <laughs> and I don't want to do that. Because it will last about two weeks. I want you to see because of God's mercy, we should love to exercise our gift. We should just love it. Now, notice, Dan, and I've got two translations, New King James and New Living. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, which we talked about, separated from sin, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. In other words, it's, it's logical. It makes sense. Some people say to you, why in the world would you go to church on a Wednesday night? Well, I'm going to go because, uh, number one, it's the middle of the week. I need a little zip, spiritually. Anybody here need a little zip? I did. Hallelujah. So we do a little longer praise and worship, so we get the umph back again, right? And then, of course, because I want to learn about how to use my gift and what God's done. People say, well, are you crazy? That's not even logical. It's very logical. See, and you could say to them, well, in the view of what God's done for me, it's very logical. What has he done for you? You got 10 minutes? Go through the book. I just gave you verses. Say, you know, that isn't just me. That's you. Have you taken advantage of these things in Romans? It's mercy. And I'm so thankful that I just love to go. And that's why I'm doing it. It's very logical. It's not illogical. It's very logical. Now, Romans 12, 1 in the New Living. And so, dear brothers and sisters, by the way, I don't have time to talk about that, but except to say this, who is Paul writing to? He's not writing to unbelievers. He's writing to what? The church. So, 1 Corinthians 3 comes into effect. You can kind of study that later. Remember the carnal Christian and the one that just, you know, you'll see that how the carnal Christian comes up here in a second. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. And our bodies means our, 
body, in our mind, in our emotions, in our heart. It includes all of us. It just means every part of us. Just give it to God. He won't force it. We have to give it to God. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will accept. That's what he accepts. When you think of what he's done for you, I love this. Is it too much to ask? That's very logically put, isn't it? When you think what God's done for you, is it unreasonable for God to say, okay, I want all of you? Well, no, it's not unreasonable. It's very reasonable. Because in 1 Corinthians, it says our body isn't our own anyway. And by the way, anytime we give anything to God, does he ever abuse it? Remember the little boy with the fish and the bread? Gave it to God. He gave all of it to God. Did God use it? Woo! Powerfully. Fed everybody. Twelve baskets over. So if I give to God, he's able to use me, however, to minister to all kinds of people, just like you. And it's not unreasonable. It's very logical. In fact, look, look what it says. Is that too much to ask? It's not too much to ask. Now, so that means as a logical response and to God's mercy and grace, this kind of lifestyle makes sense. Where's my enemies? Well, my enemies to this are the world. We'll see that in a moment. My flesh and the devil. That's the enemies. The enemy doesn't like this. The enemy knows if I commit myself to God, moving toward 100, never getting there, but moving toward 100, then I'm going to be very useful to God. Incredibly useful. So the world tries to do something to me. Satan tries to do something to me. And I am sometimes my own worst enemy. Remember, Jesus talked about, he says, you people are childish. The Bible says we're to become like little children, but we're not to become childish. He said, you're childish. You're just into me. What does a child do? A child just says, me, 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 me. Just me. Take care of me. Don't care about about. Just take care of me. Well, that verse doesn't say me. That verse says God. Me, church. What do you think? That couldn't be an attitude today, is it? Yes, it is. You see, it's all about me. And when 9-11 was needed, well, I came because I needed it. But when I didn't think I needed it, I'm going to do my thing, not God's thing. So Paul challenges us and he says, now, come on, quit focusing on what you want. And here's what God wants. Now, how do I stop living for myself then? How do I how do I make sure I have this attitude of gratitude? How do I commit myself to God? How do I do that? Well, he tells us in verse two. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your, the operative word in that verse is your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So Paul says, you won't ever serve with your motivational gifts with the right attitude unless your mind is changed. You see, my mind is very selfish. You and I, we have to understand tonight that our mind is a doorway to the hearts. Our minds and our hearts are the breeding grounds 
for our behavior, whether it's good or whether it's bad. Our thoughts become actions. Now, we know that. Proverbs 23, 7, the King James says, For as a man or a woman thinks in his heart or her heart, so they become. So the kind of things I'm thinking about is what I actually become. So where is the battle? The battleground is always the mind. So if I'm going to use my gifts, if I'm going to use those one of those seven motivational gifts, I have to have the right mindset about it. Well, what is the right mindset? I'm going to use them not to promote myself. Some of you might say, well, hope when we get through, I know I have that gift of teaching so I can be in front of lots of people and promote myself. You wouldn't say that to us, but my selfish nature inside says that. But that's not the right motivation. The motivation is love and thankfulness for God's incredible mercy to us. So the battleground is the mind. Here's a very important principle you have to always understand. Satan wants to control our minds, squeeze it, conform it to his way. But God wants to transform it. You see, my mind is already fleshly because I still have a sin nature. When I got saved, the only part of me that got saved was my spirit. If I was 150 pounds overweight when I got saved and I came out of that prayer room, I'm still 150 pounds body overweight. But my mind is still thinking me, and yet now God lives inside me. So I have somebody inside me, which is the Holy Spirit, that's going to equip me and going to talk to my mind. Now, A.W. Tozer says this, Our thoughts not only reveal what we are, They predict what we will become. We will soon be the sum total of our thoughts. So you and I, what we are is what we're thinking and what we have been thinking. Now, we see the power of Satan's influence on our minds in our world. There's no question about that. What people hear, watch, read, become very influential. This is the kind of age we're at today. Never before have our minds been flooded with more evil. 24-7. It's always in front of us. Now, we know that Satan can use thinking in just this incredible range of things. In the areas of morality, philosophy, psychology, government, culture, education, science, art, medicine, music, mass media, world wide web, and of course... In the church. Think of how Satan has taken our minds in the church and confused people because of the truth. Think how many friends you know today that don't believe that God's word is true. In the church they're told that. One of our elders got to go over to UCF and share in a religious class. And uh, he just wrote us a little summary of kind of what happened. And it was interesting. I don't tell you the church. It was another religion and then another church. And he was there. And basically, the one religion basically said this. You can kind of live however you want. And you decide what eternity is all about yourself. Then the Protestant person got up and they talked about their church, this certain book that you can get. Didn't really talk about the principles of God's word, didn't talk about salvation, didn't talk about that the word's true at all. And then, of course, one of our elders got up and just shared what we always do. Well, we're fortunate. Now, those other kids that are there that don't go to church, they're confused. 
Pastor Mark taught today about what God did for you in making redemption available to you. He talked about what your attitude toward God should be, which is gratitude. And then, having been saved from hell and damnation, the natural thing should be to let other people know that they can be set free too. Pastor Mark talked about the ways you can do that. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. You'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the Ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will complete this first portion of his teaching series called Motivational Gifts. He'll talk about what your actions should be in gratitude for having received salvation. You'll learn more about being a living sacrifice, how that's different from the dead sacrifices of the Old Testament. Finally, you'll learn about who will be fighting against your growth in Christ. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in. May God bless you. And together, let's do life right. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting